That was loud. I'm getting old. Probably. Yeah. Thank God. You know? to all of us. What's the alternative? Right? Die early. We can't be the Queen of England, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, she lived a long life. She lived a long, fruitful, beneficial life. Hell yeah. But the stress? What stress? You're fucking royalty. Yeah, but still. Oh, yeah. yeah I'll take that yeah. stress, bro. Yeah, really? Yeah, I'll take that <laughs> stress of being royalty and having everything pampered to me. But anyways. Yeah. We digress without even starting. We do. <laughs> Rest in power. Pobrecita, bro. I she did had I such say a, that? She has such a stressful life. Did oh I my say pobrecita? You did? No, I didn't. You said it in English. <laughs> <laughs> I never said poor woman. Listen, she lived one hell of a life and she got to what, 96? Yeah. We got all hope to get there. Oh, yeah. The amount of stuff that she's gone through. Yeah. But again, when you have all the services at your disposal, I mean, I would hope that you lived to 96. Yeah. So, you know what the funny thing is? We're talking about the 1960s today. There you go. We are. So, continuing in our series of um, comic book history and the decades and the significance and what came out of it, we are hitting up 1960 to 1969. Let me tell you, there are so many goddamn first appearances. This was Marvel's building blocks for the future. That's when they got their bullpen going. That's when they got everything going. Dude. And it's all within the early 60s. I was looking at the dates. It's all within a good 24 to 48 months. Right. So two yeah. to four years. No, it's a big, that's a big, big decade for them. This is this is their bread and butter. This is their golden age. This is the silver age of comics, but this is Marvel's golden age. Yeah. This is where they freaking fly high, man. I mean... We could start it off in the 1960s. The first book that came out from Marvel's heyday was Marvel's first family, FF1. It was Fantastic Four, she won. Do you know why that book came about? You're going to tell me, though. I am going to tell there you. You, you go. want to find out, too, Paul? I'm, I'm all ears, man. All right, so check this out. At the time, the publisher of Marvel is asked Stan Lee, which, by the way, Stan Lee at that time was thinking about leaving comics. He thought he was done. He had gotten as far as he can go, and he was getting ready to walk away. Was this before or after he changed his name? This is, I believe he's already changed his he's name. He's already changed yes. his name at this point. Okay. So he's thinking about leaving. Um, so the publisher of Marvel asked him to come up with a superhero team. Why, you may ask? Justice League had come out in 1960, and it was doing very well. So like, hey, let, let's get in on this. Because at that time, Marvel wasn't really publishing. Most people weren't publishing superhero stories besides DC. So he comes up with, he's fine, fine. Let me come up with Fantastic Four. And it gets so popular. Dude decides to stay. He gets so much fan letters that I think by issue two or three, he starts publishing them. And that's where you get like the, the fan letters at the end of each comic. Oh, the Stan soapboxes. Yeah. yeah. It, it comes from the amount of letters that he got after Fantastic Four issue one. Wow. Well, the funny thing is the first, uh, like you said, Brave and the Bold 28 first Justice League came out in March 1960. And then 18 months later, we get FF1. Mm-hmm. But he took a different route. He made it like the first family. He made the yes. husband and wife, the brother, and the best friend. Well, and they're all like they're all they all have their issues. They're not like perfect cookie cutter right. heroes as as we had seen prior to the sixties. They all had their own personalities. They had disagreements. I mean, they were a family. You had Johnny who was a hothead. You had you had Reed who was like this almost an ass. Yeah, he's kind of like an absentee husband. He's focused all his work on on science and like. Not his wife. Which is funny because Sue Storm is the invisible woman. Maybe she was invisible in the metaphorical sense right. as well. But that's that's one of the things that separated Marvel from everyone else. Their heroes were flawed. They were like regular people who happened to get powers. 
Yes. Yeah, that's kind of like the whole thing with DC and Marvel that, you know, either with DC you were a god or born with your powers. And then Marvel, you got them somehow with an experiment. You got shot. You got hit. You got something happened to you. That you got your powers. Right. With Marvel, you as the reader, you could one day become a hero because something happened to right. you, as opposed to you were you were born with it or came or came from somewhere else mm-hmm. as like a deity or something. Well, yeah, it's funny. Speaking of that whole trajectory that these normal people got powers, the next big issue that came out was Hulk one, mm-hmm. which came out in. March of 62. So, you know, we've only gone six months and we've had five major first appearances. And then we have uh, shortly right after Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. FF5. FF5. And one then one of the great Marvel villains. And then um, the God, we had Thor. Mm-hmm. Journey into Mystery. I didn't know it came out this late. August 1962. Your vampire <laughs> eyes got me. It's Blade 2. You can't read where you wrote, so. <laughs> it's an Excel sheet. That's why. <laughs> In the smallest font ever. <laughs> but his blade eyes pierce his blade, His blade two eyes. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. Nigel's listening, you know. <laughs> Please, get it right. It's blade two eyes. <laughs> the teenage superhero. We got Spider-Man. Yeah. Amazing Fantasy 15 in September of 1962. And that had a story with it too, didn't he? Didn't, wasn't it his wife the one that uh, influenced him to write the, the story of Peter Parker and Spider-Man? Well, I know Amazing Fantasy was about ready to end its run, and they just let him go ham, let him do whatever he wanted. Yeah. With it. So I know that was a story. I don't know if his wife was the one that inspired Peter Parker. That's not inspired Peter Parker. I think inspired Stan Lee to write the story that he wanted to tell, which was the Spider-Man story. I mean, Stan Lee always had an, uh, an affinity for, obviously, all these Marvel characters, but I don't know why. It's always like Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, he always had that. Yeah, that, that was like one of his babies. Even though Fantastic Four came out before, we always associate Spider-Man yeah. first with Stan Lee. Because yeah. FF think, kept him there, and then he just created the character that he wanted to create. Well, I think Spider-Man too, because he's like a teenager, it resonates with so many kids, yeah. and it sticks around for so long. I mean, that's one of Marvel's flagship characters. Yeah, and just Peter Parker's whole stance, he chooses the greater good versus uh, his own benefit. Right. Like, the freaking kid is always stuck in a one-bedroom apartment, you know. He's yeah, always like he's, poor. He's always paying the bills. He like, sacrifices relationships and personal right. gain to help some, to help everyone else. Yeah. Which is the true thing of a hero. Yeah. So, and then we got a couple more uh, good mentions. Our Loki came out shortly after that. Then we had Iron Man, another one that sort of made his own superhero. Right. The Marvel's version of Batman, to a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, the rich playboy with all the money. And then we got into the whole plethora of the Amazing Spider-Man run, which 1 through 15 has the greatest Spider-Man rogues gallery we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Has there been another one? Not so consecutive. I would say Batman probably has a oh. rogues gallery that compares to Spider-Man. Yeah, I yeah. think Batman's better. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah. But as, yeah. as as Spider villains go, like some of his greatest ones were at the beginning. You've yeah, they came out ones, at the beginning. They right? weren't as you've had iconic ones like you know Venom and Carnage, but since then, like there isn't really like oh here's a run of like ten villains, right? You know, you had the '90s, which gave him the, the late '80s and '90s gave him some nice villains too. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, in ASM one, you had Chameleon one, you had Chameleon in the first one, Vulture in the second one, Doctor Ock in the third one, Sandman in the fourth one. Lizard in the sixth one, Electro in the ninth one, Mysterio in 13, Green Goblin in 14, Craven in 15. That's impressive. That's no, it's back a, that's a to back. Like, it's impressive. 
And then, I mean, you just go further down the line. You have, um, I think it's number 20. Yeah, 20, you have Scorpion. And then it sort of stays uh, stagnant until 41 Rhino. Right. And then 50, the Kingpin. Yeah. Which is funny. I mean, growing up, I always thought the Kingpin was more of a Daredevil villain than a Spider-Man villain. Right. But this was the time where they all showed up in different different series that weren't necessarily their own at the time. Well, I, I believe he shows up there first before he goes to Daredevil. He yeah, 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 no, he, he, he does. Yeah. He yeah. shows up in ASM 50. But so. it's, it's just crazy the amount of... And that's just Spider-Man. We haven't even jumped into the other comics that are showing up. No, we haven't. But before we move off from Spider-Man, ASM Annual 1 presented the first appearance of the Sinister Six. Right. Now tell me what they have in common. You have Sandman, Electro, Doc Ock, Vulture, Mysterio, and Kraven. Those are all his first villains. The Ock and Modern Spider-Man title? <laughs> Those are his I didn't realize this till doing the research. Spider-Man's red. All these villains, their costumes are green. Mm-hmm. Except Craven, who's got he's like a he's in the lion costume. Okay. Think about it, everybody. Uh, like, why was green cheaper to produce back then? Like, oh, I don't know. Well, that was to, one of the primary colors. They had, limited, yeah, no, but they, it's they just ironic colors. that they pick green for all the major villains. Well, remember he's 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 red and blue. Yeah, so that takes away two colors because you don't want him to look similar to villains. But still, you could do I don't know. You could do an orange. He could do orange, but, looks, but that's that's Craven with his orange and brown. Yeah, he's but everyone else is like green and purple, green, green and purple Goblin, green and purple is Mysterio, green and purple's Hulk, green and purple's Hulk, but he's not in that book. So if anybody knows why all the villains are green, let us know because I'm gonna after this podcast I'm gonna keep digging into it. Keep digging, but we also got another major group out there, the X Men, the X Men, yes, the X Men. You guys are more X-Men fans than I am, but the first appearance has Cyclops, Jean Grey, Professor X, Iceman, Beast, Angel, and Magneto. Another one of the top five villains of Marvel. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. The cool story behind the X-Men was that when him and Kirby, when Stanley and Kirby were were discussing the team, they didn't want to spend too much time giving them origin stories. You heard that story? Yeah. They didn't want to give them, they didn't want to take time and issues away from giving them origin stories and i think kirby was the one that said well what if they're just born with it and they were like aha there it is the mutants born do you think that's where they came up with the maybelline slogan also <laughs> maybe she's born with it <laughs> maybe it's maybelline so yeah it's just i guess just to take a shortcut and not have to explain you know five six seven people's origin stories they just said okay fine they're just born with it and then that's how you get the story of the X-Men. And that's how you get mutants moving forward. Like, they're all just born with it. Whatever right. their abilities are or wherever they flourish. Right. You right. know. And then you also had another way to skip the origin story, the the Inhumans. Right. Which also came out during the 60s, mm-hmm. the Terrigen Crystal Mist. Right. They just get it. They just get it, yeah, because you breathe in a mist. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, the, the, whole, the whole X-Men story works because it's kind of a sign of the times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you have the whole civil war movement or the civil rights movement. the civil rights movement going. I mean, Iron Man and Captain America did come out. So. Yeah. But I'm saying you had the civil rights movement going. So people were born the way they were born. And it just kind of resonated with, with, with the people. The X-Men did. And Stan Lee did say that the, like, the political overtones within the books, like Professor X was more of a Martin Luther King character versus Magneto was more of a Malcolm X. Right. And if you look at it and you look at the characters like philosophy... Makes sense. Yeah. One's more of like a dreamer and the other one's more like a like a like strong arming. Yeah, doer. 
of like we need to do it like this and do it by force as opposed right. to like let's get everyone together and talk about this yeah and you can see that throughout history with a with a bunch of different people there's always the ones that try to talk their way through everyone oh i thought you were gonna make another like no 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 no, no. the cross connection was just all over history yeah that's something that and there's so many books that the same thing happens where you have someone who's trying to you know promote their their philosophy and the on the opposite side they're doing the same thing but through force yeah and then malcolm x magneto got his force with the brotherhood of evil in x-men 4 he did another thing scarlet witch green Mm -hmm. toad Green, just saying. There's something we're really Scarlet green. Witch is green. She was originally her first green. costume. Yeah, really on the cover. On the cover, it's green. It's yeah. Green. Yeah. yeah, but that's not that's not the only team that shows up in the early '60s for Marvel. What's the other team, George? The Avengers. The Avengers. I mean, they don't count. They already existed. The team did not exist. The, the characters did. So, so why we talk about Justice League then? Those. Characters no, I know. I get it. They're a team. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, hey, that's the first time you see Iron Man with his gold armor. Ooh. Yeah, man. That's a big deal back then, man. You know what? The Captain f- America wasn't even part of the team. That's right. It wasn't until four issues later. That's right. Uh, but they both, X-Men 1 and Avengers 1, came out in September of 1963. From a corporate standpoint, like, why would you want to have two superhero groups out there? You At know? that point, it was you throw everything on and see what sticks. Exactly. And everything stuck. But there, was, there, was a, there was an interview that I saw years ago, and it was I believe it was Todd McFarlane. It wasn't McFarlane because he was talking about creating Spawn. Mm-hmm. He was comparing... What Stanley and Kirby did, and uh, Dicko and all those guys in the sixties, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm lucky to have created one character, one character that is known, one character that is recognized, one character that will that'll last. He's like, I'm lucky to create one. If you can create one, you're doing good. These guys were pumping out characters month after month yes, after insane. month after month. It's ridiculous, and and it's, and it's not like ten guys. It's like it's like it's like three four guys. It's, it's like one writer and like three artists. Yeah. And it's they're insane. pumping out these characters that have lasted, you know, 50, 60 years already. And that they'll, they'll, they'll go 100 years and you'll know, and recognize these characters. It's incredible what they did, man. Yeah, no. And so many in one issue, too. Like, sometimes you'll focus. Nowadays, you focus an issue on one character. Build up and all that. No, they were like, hey, let's throw 10 people out there. But, I mean, between 61 to 63, look how many people came out. Yeah, no. And we're not even done yet. And it's, we're just talking about Marvel. Right. It's, it's insane the amount of creative... Like they had like a creative explosion during those years that just it's 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 unheard of, man. Yeah. No, it hadn't like because prior to this, if you heard our other podcast, it was more of the DC world and the horror world. Yeah. This is more of like, hey, life imitates comics. You know? These are characters. These are stories. These are origin stories. I mean, it's not just the character; it's the whole beginning and production of the character it's it's crazy man yeah and it's all thanks to like the the after the comics close authority passes you know everyone has to change what they're doing i mean remember heroes were dying off until that that strict code came out yeah you know why i compared this the modern day this to about characters that mind you they're still relatively young but have lived so long and they're gonna go through generations pokemon (laughs) think about it how many Pokemon do you know that you could see right now and that you could probably name? Like one. I could probably give you three. Yeah. I could name like one, dude. Okay. You know, okay. Or two. You, two. You know a lot more. I Probably two. From our live sales, hey. Yeah, but you can't pronounce any of them. I yeah, could have exactly. pronounced them, but I mean, it's, it's Pikachu and fucking Squirtle. And Squirtle because, you know, it's and Squirtle. And you don't know Charizard. Oh, yeah, Charizard. Okay. But and there are a couple more. But, but that's it. But we got into Pokemon older. 
because it came out when we were much older. Right. But the kids from that were like probably seven or eight, they've still grown up with it. They have multiple games. They have multiple generations, iterations of it. Yeah, and they yeah, have the old ones coming in with the new ones. People that grew up with Nintendo, yeah. You still know yeah. Mario. Yeah. You still know Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi, you know? Yeah, but was it all the same creative team coming yes. up with these characters? In yeah. Nintendo and Pokemon? Yep. That same is the, fir- the first 151 Pokemon were the same group. Right. 151 nobody's i mean we're not going to know them and if we do we need to have an intervention but yeah no, i'm still mm-hmm. but yeah like that's 151 that everybody knows as the original yeah but can you go off and make a, a movie or story about every single pokemon that's out there no but they have made already several not only made several but it's like remember that's not targeted to us i think out of 151 pokemon you probably have like six that are like recognizable and that everybody like puts on a t-shirt or something Agreed. Everybody else is just like background characters. Or well, this is fascinating, but we're like totally that no, no, yeah, yeah. topic. No, because Paul said or and then no, and then silence. we both stared into each other's eyes, and I, I felt this like weird spark, and like the air died around you did? me. You did? <laughs> so what else do we have? What else do we have in the nineteen sixties? Oh, dude, the nineteen sixty four. We get our favorite dude, Daredevil. We get DD. Yep. Yeah, man. April sixty four, Daredevil one. Daredevil, Karen, and Foggy yep. Nelson. So we have that. Then we have shortly thereafter, the same month, Black Widow, and then um, the and then we have Hawkeye in September. Yeah, I was going to say Hawkeye came out right after. Hawkeye came out right after, and they both came out in Tales of Suspense. Fifty-two for Black Widow, fifty-seven for Hawkeye. Yeah. And then we have the big bad villain of the MCU right now, Kang. Mm-hmm. That's right. He came out in Avengers eight. Right. Which is funny. I always thought he was an FF villain, but no. He's, yeah, a, he's, an, villain, yeah. Yeah, he's an Avengers villain. Yeah, I don't know why. They always associated, like, I always did, at least. You know? And then... Um, well, in 64, you also get the equivalent of what, like, a trade paperback is. Back then, they had those more. Marvel, the Marvel Tales, the annual. The first one that comes out, it's the first book that they released that, that packs in all the origin stories. Of different characters. Oh, that's right, yeah. So for like 25 cents, you could pick up all these books. So it was like, uh, what was it? Yeah, like Hulk, Spider-Man. Yeah, and so, yeah. The, the, so Marvel Total Annual Issue 1 reprints uh, Amazing Fantasy 15, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, the first appearance of Iron Man, Ant-Man, Thor, and then it prints excerpts from Hulk's origin and Iron Man in this new uh, red and gold armor. And then the, you, you get a Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos backup story. So these start these annuals start coming out every year now. They they start putting together like reprints. So it's like, it's like a trade that these kids can get for like twenty five cents. It's a monster book. I had a couple of those at one point. They were pretty cool because you could read the origin stories as they were written originally yeah. in those books. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So those start coming out, and then eventually they start putting in like an Ant Man story. Yeah. Like to like a tryout. Yeah. So right. they'll put like here's origins, and then they'll do like like a six page backup story of like an original story to see what what works. Yeah, I mean, some you could even call that probably like the first trade tryout. Yeah, you know, just multiple yeah. stories binded it all together in one. Imagine some kid has twenty five cents, and that's like a whole summer's worth of reading. Right? Yeah, slow reading. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, because they <laughs> they start doing stuff, they'll pick it up and read it. They'll read it four or five times. Yeah. Remember, we talked about this. They hung around with a book in their pocket. Yeah, it was they had the little crease, the folding <laughs> crease. You know, there's another superhero group that we forgot to talk about. Oh, I'm sure. There's so many things that came out in the 60s. Sure. No, it was the uh, the first Teen Titans. Uh-huh. Where it was Aqualad, Robin, and Kid Flash. They came out in Brave and the Bold 54. 
So that's like the first iteration of the sidekick team up. Mm-hmm. Like these weren't characters that had their own books to begin right. with. So, well, I think at that time, not many DC characters had their own books yet. They were all in like, like team up titles besides like the big three, right? Like you had Aquaman. No, you and had, Green you had, had, um, had, a, had a team up book on their you own. You also story. had a uh, first, um, what's his name? Ray Palmer, first Adam as well. Like they all came out. You also had Hawkman, which his own book, which in issue number four, we get the first Zatanna. Okay. So you okay. did have like multiple iterations of different characters. Now there were a bunch of titles that probably haven't made it through and didn't survive time, but oh, for sure. But yeah, yeah, because I know around this time when Marvel's building up their rosters, DC is kind of feeling out, bringing out characters that they haven't used in a while from like the fifties, mm-hmm. like trying to give them their own their own books or putting them with new in other books at the same time. Yeah, yeah, because there were secondary characters and. Okay, the three of you are going to carry a story. Yeah. You know, and it actually worked out. We also have, just we talked about it, the Terrigen Crystals. We have first Black Bolt in Fantastic Four with the first Inhumans. Then we have a Silver Surfer in Galactus in FF48 and 49. Yeah. So those are huge first appearances. And probably, hopefully, we'll see them in the next five years on the screen. I would hope so. I, yeah, I, I would love to see like a, like a great version of them on screen. That the Fantastic Four run has a lot of first appearances. I yeah. mean, hell, they reintroduced Namor to like you right. know, to the Silver Age. Yeah, FF4. Yeah. And then FF6 was the first official villain team up, which right. was uh, Namor and Doctor Doom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Black Panther's there too. Yeah, Black yeah. Panther is 52. Uh, FF52. Yeah. Yep. Black Panther. And then um, another great villain for Marvel, we have Avengers. Uh, Ultron came out. Yes, that's 55. right. Ultron, yeah. And then uh, Vision came out in fifty-seven. Vision, yeah. And uh, Falcon came out in the sixties too, right? Falcon was the last key issue of the sixties. Really? Yeah, because it came out I think in November of sixty-nine. Silver Surfer three, first appearance of Mephisto. Like you think about these books, and I don't know if you guys are the same way, but they blend in my head like with time. Like I didn't think that books was from the sixties. Well, no, because you read so many reprints as you're as you're younger, and then you start the time that like the time frames don't don't start to stick right anymore because you're reading them recent. No, to me it was more of like a seventies book, just because of the style, story. You know, I like I I always saw it as a sixties book. Yeah, just like me. Until I got older, I I didn't realize those books were from the sixties, like X Men, Spider Man. Yeah, especially when you're younger and you're reading these books to to know to you they're new. Oh no! Yeah, from they when you're younger, don't you don't really like, you don't really pay attention to the years. Yeah, but, but I mean, they don't seem like they're that old. Even know? like lately, it's like Tommy Mephisto. Like, yeah, he's a sixties character. I don't know, just kind of like the style and the like the way I in, in the book and the title that he came out. You know, the Silver yeah. Surfer, early Silver Surfer. You tell me late Silver Surfer, then I say yes, probably outside of the sixties. Well, no, yeah, just researching it in my mind, yeah. I was always like, oh, that's the seventies. But then when you start looking at these dates, you know what? You had the introduction of both Batgirls in the sixties. Oh, Kane and uh You had uh Betty Kane, which came out in Batman one thirty nine in April of nineteen sixty one. And then we had Barbara Gordon come out in January nineteen sixty seven right. as a uh, Batgirl in Detective three five nine. I love how that, that issue is titled the million dollar debut of Batgirl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well also this was the Adam West T V show. Yeah. Time frame. So that's that's right. the whole thing too. During the sixties, Batman was a lot lighter. Right. You had you Way had the, you had the Batman sixties show with Adam West. That was after the the whole like comical authority thing, so everything got a little lighter. 
Batman's no longer dark and brooding. Yeah. Or was know? it Yvonne Craig that played Batgirl, right? Yeah. So, yeah. no, yeah, you had so many actors there. You had Cesar Romero as Joker, um, Mary Weather as the Penguin, uh, Adam West, Burt Ward. Um, the funny thing is, Adam West said in an interview one time, what did he think about Christian's Bale's Batman? And, you know, Christian Bale's Batman always has the, I'm Batman. Nice, no, super, right? yeah, super serious. He's like... Um, I didn't have to say I was Batman. I just walk into a room and everybody knew I was Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so I always found that like humor. It was always it? great when they asked about Batman. It, it was always so like, yeah, man, I was Batman. Yeah. Like it wasn't. T- he took, never took him so seriously. That dude looked like he had fun. Oh no! Yeah, they had a blast recording doing, that show. Yeah, that show. Eartha Kitt also. Yeah. Yes. As a. Oh, you had two different Catwoman. Yeah, yeah Catwoman. Catwoman. That's she was recast. You had two. I can't you remember. Someone else. Judy. Julie Newmar. Newmar. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that was a good, that was a fun show. It's cool. You watching, it seems silly, but you watching, it's like, they took a lot of detail. There's a certain look to that show that you can't recreate because it'll look stupid. Plus the, the cameos, man. Tons yeah. of cameos. The ca- like the Green Hornet and Kato come out in one yeah. of the cameos. <laughs> My favorite is when they're climbing up a building and his uh, cape is stuck to his body as opposed to swinging yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> the production value was excellent, you know? Yeah. You got to get creative, man. That's where you get Sharker Planet. <laughs> <laughs> and Batman in swim trunks yeah. when he goes on the beach on a surfboard. Well, he's, it's swim trunks over his costume. Over, of course. <laughs> well, that's the show that cemented like everything is bat. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it is, you know? Batarang, yeah. bat phone, batmobile, yep. bat cave. Yep. So it was funny. But then we also get um, around the same time we had Star Trek come out. And that was the first time they did like a comic book of a TV show. Right. So they had Star Trek 1, which was like. It was physical representations of Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner, George Sakai, all the main actors right. that were in there. Well, I think around this time, too, all those publishers that couldn't publish horror books anymore started doing, like, licensed comics, like cartoons or shows by the time, like, the mid to late 60s run around. Yeah, yeah they always did cartoons, like yeah. the Disney cartoons, the Yogi Bears, the right. Looney Tunes, Hanna-Barbera, all that. But this was the first time they did like on a live action show. Right. But I'm saying that, that, that that's why it starts. That's when you see that happening. The whole licensing of shows is because they're trying to stay alive. Yeah. So Dell did. That's what Dell got. Uh, yeah. They just Del. started licensing off characters and were doing comic books on them. Doom Patrol. Came yeah. Out. I'm going to say Doom Patrol came out. In June of 1963, Chief Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. If you guys haven't watched the show on HBO Max, it's a really good show. It's yeah, it's one of the better shows that are on HBO Max for the the comic properties. Yeah, yeah, and then um, into the late sixties, what do we got, George? Well, in late sixties, we start getting into like the whole counterculture youth movement. You get the beatniks and stuff. So the hippies, the hippies, dirty hippies. And then you get the you get the beginnings. That's when the like, the underground comics start. That's in sixty nine. But the what leads to underground comics, right. that whole movement mm-hmm. through the counterculture, gives us uh, Zap Comics. Yeah, man. In 69. Yeah, yeah, and these were limited runs and regional based more than anything else, right? Yeah, you're talking, yeah, they, was, they printed uh, in San Francisco. Okay. They printed 3,500 copies of issue one. A lot of that stuff came out of San Francisco in that, that California area. The whole beatnik yeah. area, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hippies, well, hippies were, that's, yeah. That's, that's No, it's like at. 90%. Like, Independence are 90% Cali and like 10% the Northeast. And yeah. then the, the thing, too, is that they, they were, a lot of them were just self-published. That's why you have these low print runs because they, they couldn't Self, afford. Self-published and where they would go to like um, print them on a Xerox machine. Right, right. Not only that, you also had, this is how underground, this comic, they, print, they printed 17 issues. 
or over the span of years. Like the last issue was printed in 2014. Wow. So for like 40 something years, they so had 17 So is it the issues. last issue or is issue 18 around the corner? <laughs> it just goes to, show, you know, when you're printing them yourself, you can't just sit there and, and, and do it constantly. Yeah. You had um, the price of a Xerox machine has gone significantly higher since the yeah. 60s, man. <laughs> you have Robert Crumb, like that that keep on trucking image that was like everywhere that yeah. everyone use it. That that was in the issue one of Zach Comics. Oh, is that where it originates from? That's where it originates from. Interesting. It comes from an underground comic. I didn't know that one. A lot of a lot of like pop culture imagery came from was born from from underground comics. Yeah. This is a dude that this is the first issue was sold out of out of Robert Crumb's wife's baby stroller. They printed themselves and were selling them out of a baby stroller. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were just sold there, and then you could find them like at a head shop. Yeah, is where you could. What's a head find. shop? Uh, for you guys who don't know, the head shop is where they sell marijuana paraphernalia. You know your bongs, your black lights. I don't even know if they still have head shops anymore. Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah smoke, like what, like smoke shops. A smoke shop yeah. or a vape shop. Back then, it was like. You could buy like a bong and they would right. sell like black lights and the stuff uh, like neon color stuff that would that would glow. And Zap Comics number one. <laughs> and Zap Comics number one. I don't know. I haven't seen the head shop in forever. I used to see them as a kid. You would walk by and be, we my, used to have my, a, my grandma would be like, oh, look how nice those lamps. I'm like, those aren't lamps. <laughs> so these are just a couple of the books that we touched upon. But if you start doing a deep dive into this, you're going to see why this is probably one of the most sought out time periods in all like comic book collecting. Because every issue you have a first appearance yeah, or something yeah. major or, or a story arc. Story arc, the start of something. Yeah, it's incredible. And then in the 70s and the 80s, we'll go into the overarching stories. Yeah. Like Death of Phoenix, you know, um, Identity Crisis. Yeah, Infinite Crisis in DC in the 80s. So the one question I have for you guys, if you were to pick one book out of all the 1960 to 1969 books that had came out, which ones would you get? Just one. Everyone's going to go for A of 15, but man, I'm an X-Men dude, so X-Men issue one. I'd do it A of 15 just because I have the other two. <laughs> Not all of us have that. I will give everybody Paul's address if you think <laughs> for that douchey answer that he just gave. Jesus. <laughs> I will. I will. Just text me. Cecilia, text me. I know you're listening. Just send, send a DM. No. Jimmy? Uh, no, I, for me, it's Spider-Man. It's the AF fifteen. I think a close second will probably be um, Hulk one, just for the simple fact. Not so much that I like the Hulk so much. It's a book you don't see often. No, it's not. Like it comes in waves. Like you'll see it maybe five issues over the course of six months, and then you won't see it again for years. Whether it's at cons or anything like that, but you have um, you have the internet now, so obviously everything's more. Look, the reason I went for X Men one and FF one earlier on was because you get so many first appearances in those two books. Just those two books combined, what do you get? Nine first appearances? You get four. Mole Man, that's five from right. FF1. And then X-Men 1, you get 12. Jamaican so 12. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting, yeah, you're getting 12 first no, appearances. It's, it's, it's a bunch, yeah. In two books. Unlike Avengers, where you get zero first appearances. Oh, my God. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> first well, appearance. Just like, no, 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 no. That's just like right. Brave and the Bold, 28. You get zero first appearances. Zero first, first appearance. Justice League. Yeah. I don't know. Paul's a first appearance snob, apparently. No, but I, I mean, yeah. it's impressive that you get in two books, you get 12 first appearances. That's That says a lot. That says a lot about the, the, the creation of those, two, of those two teams. It does, but it also says a lot of the lasting effect. Because they could have created those two books, and if they didn't pull off the shelf, would they have continued it? Well, but that's what I'm saying. It goes to show of the creativity that they showed creating those characters that they didn't get pulled off the shelf. They lasted. Yeah. 
and they became fan favorites. Yeah, because before you would get one first appearance per book, like, right. like even um Action Comics, it has like four or five first appearances, right. but it gets superseded by Superman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody's gonna care about Zataro. So let us know in the comment section what's the one book that you would get if you had the opportunity and price wasn't an issue. Or if you could time travel to the 60s and just pick up the book you wanted off the shelf. Yeah. And then I'm going to give like a dollar bill from this time. They're yeah. going to be like, which? <laughs> Guys, thanks for watching the video. If you like it, appease the algorithm gods. Hit the like bell. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok and any other social media platform. Thanks for watching.